0: Hey, you're listening to Ghost Notes and Friends, the podcast where we look at music from the inside
1: and out with friends. My name's Noah. You probably know me best as polyphonic. And I'm Corey. I make 12-tone. And today we're joined by yet another amazing video essayist. Do you want to introduce yourself?
2: Hi, I'm known as Lady Knight the Brave Online. I make video essays about film theory and feelings
1: (laughs)
0: that's that's a great description there's a lot of feelings in your videos that's why i love them
2: (laughs) i literally made that my tagline at some point and i feel like it's the most accurate summation i could make of my channel
0: (laughs) (laughs) didn't you also call yourself a connoisseur of trash for a while
2: oh yeah no i believe i still no. it wasn't a connoisseur it was uh what's the
0: Sommelier? Uh, sommelier? A sommelier? Yeah, yes. it was a
2: sommelier of trash. And I, yes. I stand by that.
0: I love that. That's such a good description. <laughs> so, speaking of trash, what is it that you want to talk to us about today?
2: Apparently, we're just going to talk about the entirety of musical theater, like all of it. That seems like a really <laughs> yeah, wide. Just cover that start song. to
0: finish. We're going to cover every <laughs> single musical ever made. Yeah.
2: Apparently.
1: Back in 1672. <laughs> <out of it.
2: laughs> no, back in back when the Greeks wore big masks.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, it dates way, way earlier than that. I just picked <laughs> an old sounding year.
2: Yeah. I mean, I believe I, I brought you guys just one of my personal favorite musicals that not a lot of people know about, but you guys like to talk about broad topics. Yeah.
0: Yep. I mean, I think before we get too far into it, do you just want to, you know, tell everyone your kind of background with musical theater because it's something that you've worked with and been a fan of a lot over your life, right?
2: Yeah. I mean, aside from the fact that I just had to like perform a lot in school performances when I was a child, I was in drama classes in high school. I actually took a musical theater class in high school. Fun fact, I had a sprained ankle. I literally sprained my ankle about 2 weeks before school year started so like for the beginning of the musical theater class they did just sort of like put me in the back and tell me to just like do your best Uh (laughs) 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 but yeah uh and then like i got to work with the regional theater for a while i got to see a lot of shows at that regional theater And, yeah, I just, like, I've been a fan of musicals for a long time. My mom played Phantom of the Opera a lot in the car when we were kids. And we used to specifically request the song with the screaming because we were weirdos. Um, (laughs) And I don't know. Yeah, it's just been, like, a thing that I've been around my whole life. And I have just been always excited about whether it's, like, you know, Disney musicals or (laughs) Andrew Lloyd Webber. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah.
0: I guess a good place to start is the musical you initially wanted to talk to us about. Yes. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about this and why you're so kind of drawn to it?
2: So Ghost Quartet is a off-Broadway musical by Dave Malloy, who would like later go on to write, and I believe briefly star in The Great Comet of 1812. It's a song cycle musical. The There are only four actors they play their instruments live on stage while they're singing Whoa. yeah and mm. and so like one of the guys does all of the strings a variety of them and then dave does like the piano and a few other things and then the girls are doing a lot of percussion and some frankly wild ass instruments there's some stuff that i'm like i don't know what that is and like the entire the entire show is Well, it covers multiple timelines with multiple different characters. It's told non-chronologically. Have fun figuring out what happens in Ghost Quartet, because it's kind of hard to explain. I just really like listening to Gelsie Bell scream, apparently. There is a song where she makes sounds (laughs) that I didn't know a human being could make. It is described as a song cycle about love, death, and whiskey.
1: Yeah, on the like non chronological thing, I like because you mentioned this while we were planning and so I went to look it up and I listened to it a little bit Yeah. and like really quickly I was just like no I need to see the staging like if I'm going to appreciate this I need there to watch this happen there is actually a recording not... um,
2: that they released yeah. during the quarantine time so they did release like a recording yeah. of the off-Broadway production which you can see it should still be on yeah. Dave Malloy's YouTube channel the only thing I can clearly tell you about the plot is that we need one pot one piece of stardust one secret baptism and a photo of a ghost this is a thing that comes back <laughs> several times it doesn't make a whole <laughs> lot of sense but i did love a lot of the memes around this show where yeah. people would just be making those ghosts about like you know to set up your account you need to type in your phone number your address one piece of stardust one secret baptism <laughs> <laughs> yeah
0: i think like a musical like ghost quartet you know brings up an interesting kind of like an interesting aspect of musicals which is that like musicals are ostensibly you know like the perfect melding of like Narrative and music together, but really, like, a lot of the best musicals, the narrative is, like, it's there, but it's a lot more just about the vibes, right? Which is something that
1: I find really interesting. Part part of that is that, like, it's a combination of narrative and musical, but it's also, like, a combination of theater and performance and dance. Like, that's, I think... Yeah. A thing that gets really lost when we talk, like, you know, you're just listening to the original cast recording, which is always, like, depending on the the thing, but it's often really good. But, like, again, like, uh, Cats is one of (laughs) my favorite musicals, but,
2: like, (laughs) (laughs)
1: I'm not saying I'm not a fan of Trash, but... uh,
2: Okay, I will say Skimble Shanks is a bop. It's the best part of the movie. I kind of am mad now that the Broadway version doesn't have tap dancing because that, like, made it a lot better for me.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, it doesn't really have a narrative. It has good music, but, like, it's really a dance spectacle, first and foremost. Yeah.
2: It has a frame narrative that excuses a bunch of people getting up and performing individual numbers about themselves and their friends.
0: yeah and i think this is something about the medium of musicals that i love where in a lot of film like the way we interact with film as a medium we're very culturally attached to you know plot and narrative yeah. and stuff like that and there's and nothing realism. there's nothing wrong with that yeah realism like i i love those things but i love that musical yeah. theater by throwing in, by kind of combining music into it, which music, I mean, there is music that has plot and narrative and stuff like that, but in general, music is so much more about, you know, broad emotional beats
2: well, and also there's the factor that with musicals, there's the element that it's being performed live by actors who are a physical distance from you, which creates a very yeah. special suspension of disbelief that allows for...
1: Yeah. A, being in the space. Yeah,
2: it allows for a different... Because like films can get weird and experimental and yeah. throw plot out the window too, but they have to do yeah. it differently. Yeah, the way that musicals specifically can get weird and experimental like this. I mean, like there are just there are musicals where I'm only ever gonna listen to the album. I'm never going to see Dear Evan Hansen. And I knew that before the movie came out because (laughs) I knew the plot of Dear Evan Hansen and I went, no, but the music is good. I've listened to the album and I like the album, but like I never wanted to see that show. I just enjoyed those songs.
0: That's such an interesting place because, yeah, there's definitely musicals that I'll listen to just kind of, you know, like I'd like I'd listen to an album by any rock artist or something like that. Right. It's it's so interesting because there's there's so many different experiences of a musical and like you can see the same musical live put on by you can even see it, see it put on by the same like theater a couple years apart and it'll be completely different if you see it in different places
2: yeah uh, one of my favorite things with ghost quartet was actually that because for a while there wasn't a recording available of the actual show so when i would look up like recordings of performances what i found a lot was like high school and colleges putting on ghost quartet and like You would get such a wide variety of like the the Ghost Quartet original version doesn't have a lot of dancing because they are literally playing instruments on stage. There were versions with choreography. There was one that was like steampunk, (laughs) just like (laughs) everything was very, they had like a very cool set design, all of their costumes. Yeah, no, the the variety that you see across different productions of the same show, cabaret, comes in many, many different forms.
1: (laughs) This gets to a thing that we talk about a lot in, like, oh, academic yeah. music, which is sort of the distinction between, like, received music versus participatory music. Hmm. So things that you're just supposed to experience and, you know, you think, like, a symphony. You go, you sit in the room. I cannot, um, <laughs> I don't know why I forgot Auditorium? the word room. Theater? yes. <laughs> Any of those. You sit in that place and someone <laughs> plays the music at you. But, like, and then on the other hand, you have stuff like folk music where you are really invited to participate and to be a part of it. And musical theater sort of breaks that binary in a lot of ways because it is very much a performance. You go to the theater, you watch the performance.
2: But that's only in an ideal world. (laughs) Yes, so
1: much space for interpretation. And there's an expectation that different stagings will interpret it differently, which you don't necessarily see as much with something like, you know, Beethoven's Fifth or whatever. Like you have an expectation that that's going to sound roughly the same no matter where you hear it, but you can go see like Ghost Quartet or something, or even something like Cats, <laughs> you're expecting it to be a different interpretation with a different cast in a different space.
0: In general, like what's so fascinating about musicals because of that is that they're they're transient in nature, right? Like even I remember yeah. when I first started talking, like like when we we first started talking to each other, Lady Night. I remember we talked a lot about. Hades town <laughs> Hades town yeah and Hadestown town is so interesting because it's this thing where it's I, I mean most musicals are kind of workshopped along the way but there's actually recordings of various different stages yeah. of workshopping of this and so
2: it's one of the most well documented <laughs> yeah
0: yeah exactly and so and so in among Hadestown fans so much conversation is kind of Oh well, like who do you like in this role? Or like which version of this yeah. song do you like best?
2: I am kind of a Damon Duano stan a little bit. Reeve Carney is fine. He sounds like a cute little boy band boy, but like Damon Duano had a stunning voice.
0: Justin <laughs> Vernon. Where I'm a yeah, Justin okay, Vernon but fan. I'm sorry,
2: I know you you actually cause like I I genuinely like. I've listened to the Anais Mitchell album. I really like her uh, the original version of Wedding Song, but yes. by and large, all of my favorite versions of the Hades Town tracks are after it made the transition to being musical theater in yeah. like the more traditional sense. So, like, yeah, no, I most of those songs don't do a whole lot for me <laughs> in their original incarnation. But like, once you get Patrick Page and Amber Gray and oh, I mean, David Duano. Page. Everybody uh, who ever played Eurydice is all amazing. There have been no yeah. bad Eurydices. They're all stunning. Yeah, I just... I mean, also I we can't
0: mention Hadestown casting without talking about Andre DeShields because uh, that is the role Andre DeShields was born to play.
2: It's so funny. I know somebody who has a whole thing about how they really prefer Chris Sullivan, the off-Broadway Hermes. And I'm like, I like what Chris Sullivan was doing. He has like a really ragged gruff kind of sounding voice that works for a version of Hermes but like Hermes as a character does feel very much like a southern baptist preacher and having yeah. that played by a black man just makes more sense and works and yeah. this person was british so like they just didn't have that understanding of like the americana and they still insist that Chris Sullivan is better and i'm like i mm. <laughs>
0: I think this is part of what's really fun about musicals, especially when you get when you get really into kind of musicals that have entered the canon, so to speak. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You get to explore all of these different and a lot of the time it's like really fantastic performers. I mean, to to make it to Broadway, you need to be in the top one percent of like most talented people in the world at singing, dancing, acting. Like- also, also,
2: let's just be clear, Broadway is not a meritocracy and as much as talent yes. should be a factor, sometimes bad sh- gets made and put on Broadway. Let's yes. just let's just make that clear. The Tonys are as flawed as any other awards show. <laughs>
0: that's well, they're not quite as flawed as the Grammys, but few things are as well. flawed as the Grammys. I mean, are the Grammys <laughs> yeah. as bad as the Oscars cuz The who? Grammys are worse. The Grammys mm, make the that's Oscars hard to look good. Yeah, That's hard no. to
2: believe. Did you watch this last year's Oscars? No. Why would I do that? <laughs> because I've been watching them every year since I was twelve, and yeah, so, but I uh, like
0: enjoy spending my time on things that I'll enjoy.
2: I that like is the Oscars. Is, the Oscars is my football. Honestly, it's my That's Super Bowl. Fair. Like I, I pick fair. movies I like <laughs> and I root for them, and I kind of do the same thing when I watch the Tonys. But like, yeah, no, the. <laughs> Not to get too sidetracked, but yeah, uh, they reordered the uh, way the awards were announced, so they ended on Best Actor, and everybody rightly assumed that was so that they could announce Chadwick Boseman got a posthumous Oscar, and then he didn't, and Anthony Hopkins won, probably the only wrong answer in that category, after they'd sold an (laughs) NFT of Chadwick Boseman's face, and then the show ended.
0: (laughs) I remember that. (laughs) I'm like, is the Grammys worse than that? The year that Nirvana released Smells Like Teen Spirit, the Grammy for best rock song went to Eric Clapton's acoustic reworking of Layla.
2: Well, I've never heard Layla.
0: (laughs) I mean, the acoustic reworking is good and stuff like that, but like Smells Like Teen Spirit is the most important rock song of a generation. Yeah. But anyways, back to off of rants. And that's that's not even there's a lot of Grammy stuff, but this is not an episode about the Grammys.
2: So Cabaret is a weird one. Have you have you ever seen Cabaret? I've seen like songs from Cabaret. Yeah,
0: Uh, I want to see Cabaret, but I've never seen the full thing.
2: So I will say there is a pro shot that you can find online from the production that was directed by Sam Mendes with Alan Cumming as the MC. You should watch that one.
0: I do like Sam Mendes.
2: I like that production of Cabaret. It's probably the best version of it you could see aside from the film. It definitely pulls no punches on the Holocaust stuff, (laughs) (laughs) which I, (laughs) at one of the regional theaters I've been to, saw a production of Cabaret where they inexplicably cut, like, both of Sally Bowles' big numbers. Like, they didn't have mine hair and they didn't have maybe this time. Maybe this, th- they cut that one as well. Those are like two of her, well, Mine Hair is just a great song, but maybe this time is like kind of her I Want song. And yeah, they yeah. cut that. And then I can only describe this production as also being Holy Swastika Batman. Oh was, It was, no. it was a, <laughs> like, oh. it was 2016, but before the election had actually happened and like clearly they were trying to make a point. <laughs> it was upsetting for me though.
0: <laughs> yeah. I think that actually, that, that gets to an interesting, interesting point about musicals the the trying to make a point like that's something mm-hmm. that's really cool about musicals the way that different stagings can kind of reflect different moments in history and reflect like
2: Oklahoma the Oklahoma that f- <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: what what is Oklahoma it's the Oklahoma that f**ks. Yes. <laughs> so So,
2: are you familiar with Oklahoma? Like, as a show? Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: yeah, Yes.
2: One of the weirdest musicals ever, tonally, just in terms of the wild leaps it makes in the last act, from like, you know, oh no, this is a rape nightmare. Oh no, a character is murdered, but he wasn't very nice, so, you know, chicks and ducks and biscuit. <laughs> you know, <like> just, <laughs> that's all like happens within like 20 minutes. It's so insane. It's such a weird show. But, but on Broadway, they did a version of Oklahoma where they were trying to update it. So like there is an actress who is disabled in a wheelchair. She actually got to perform at the Tony's and sing I Can't Say No, which is a very horny song. Even in the original <laughs> show, it's a horny song. And then yeah, they just like cast a lot of people of color. That's actually what Damon Duano did after Hades Town. He's he's curly. Oh, cool. Yeah, in that in that version. It's just it's like modern in the casting, but also it's just like it's horny. It's it's a horny. It's <laughs> what Oklahoma. The f
1: to be fair, musical theater as a whole is horny. Yeah. It's just a pretty horny yeah concept.
2: Like it depends on the show. I feel like there are shows that aren't yeah. as horny. I
1: mean, <laughs> to be fair, like my like primary touchstone, the musical theater stuff that I listen to the most is, is Andrew Lloyd yeah. Webber. So. <laughs>
2: You know, <laughs> yeah, no, Cats is the horniest show horny
1: for, I've yeah. ever
2: seen, and I've never, yeah. I've never seen it on stage. I have only seen the movie.
1: Well, yeah, it, it's different on stage. i I've, I've seen it in the West End. It's. It's not not a horny show on yeah, stage. Yeah, I saw <laughs> just,
2: watch his face hip thrusting. I know. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, I watched that. that.
1: Rum Tum Tugger. Yeah. Yes.
2: The the recording that is widely available of Cats, yeah. I have seen parts of. Uh, so. Yeah.
0: Also, the fact that there's a character's name that is Rum Tum Tugger <laughs> is just yeah, evidence as to how horny this show is. Well, to
1: be fair, that <laughs> that's all of the names come from T. S. Eliot. Uh, T.S. Eliot. Anti-Semitic I was blanking on his racist
0: name racist yeah. weirdo, T.S.
2: Eliot. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Maggie Mayfish has a great video on, uh, on cats. For-
2: yeah. I know, I've seen it. It's so good. <laughs> Rent is very horny.
1: Yeah. That's also true.
2: I love, uh, well, okay. So in high school, I was very big into Rent. Now as an adult, I look back and honestly, the part that troubles me the most is the scene where they're at the restaurant and they're moving all the chairs around and the waiter's going, please don't. And I'm like, no. <laughs> our characters are the villains.
0: <laughs> rent is one of those, another one of those ones where like, I love the music in Rent. Like it unabashedly slaps, but mm-hmm. the message in the. Mm. the you know, narrative in Rent. I'm like, oh, I I can't quite abide by all of these people.
1: Yeah. Yeah, These people are all bad people. I'm like,
2: the idea of, like, love overcoming all
0: is fine. But, yeah, no, there are a lot of individual moments that really suck. Yeah. To be clear, so that that is not taken out of context, when I say I can't abide by these people and I'm talking about Rent, I mean the characters in Rent. I do not mean the queer community at large. No, I I assume you mean
2: the scene where Mark videotaped a homeless woman for his documentary and she went, fuck you, and we're supposed to sympathize with Mark in that situation.
1: Yeah.
0: (laughs) I do think it's interesting because Rent is an example of something where, like, like, I think that the way that it was handled is not the greatest, but musicals historically, and Rent is among them, like have really, have been a medium that really is is willing to push up against kind of social norms and is really wish, it's interesting because it's this, it's this space that is, it creates room for kind of like these really kind of like radical sometimes political messages within this kind of like high production mainstream framework. And, and they're not necessarily always political treatises, but things like things like like hair was very radical in his time. Jesus Christ, superstar. Yeah. Hamilton, not exactly radical politically, but radical artistically. Like, like I think, I think that's one of the really, really cool things about musical is you, you see that pushing in a way that you don't really see in like, like you see it in film, but you don't see it in like, you know, Hollywood box office popcorn film like you don't see it in the event in the Avengers
2: and it's difficult because musical theater like all other artistic mediums does tend to move in fits and starts like we will have these flashes of brilliance sure. with like Hamilton or Hadestown or something like that but then like Broadway also tends to be very 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 safe like I think of the musicals coming back we have like Two based on a musician musicals. There's the Alanis Morissette musical called Jagged Little Pill. And there's wait, like,
0: there's an Alanis Morissette musical
2: called Jagged Little Pill.
0: <laughs> That's that could be good.
2: I like. I don't know. It's 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 one of those where they're using. I, I it's a jukebox musical from the yeah. Like jukebox. Yeah. So like they're they're work they're working a new frame. It's not trying to be a biopic. It looks like they're like writing okay, a new yeah. plot around these songs, a la American yeah, Idiot, like
1: the uh, like We Will Rock You or Mamma yeah. Mia.
2: Or American Idiot, yeah. my favorite one. Yeah. <laughs> Although yeah. Mamma Mia is a great time.
0: <laughs> Isn't American Idiot, the plot is based on the plot of the album.
2: I mean, like, kind of, but yeah. the plot of the album was so loose. So, like, yeah. just by bringing it to the stage, you inevitably...
1: Yeah, having to put bodies to yeah, it. Yeah,
2: there's just a lot more of an actual concrete narrative, whereas you have to kind of go over the album with a brush to...
0: You mean there's more of a narrative than than old punk is sad? <laughs>
2: <laughs> they like are having like a character who like goes to like is in the Iraq war like you know just more on yeah. the nose plot points yeah
1: <laughs> yeah and that's like again speaks to a thing that musical theater has over you know something like a rock opera is just that again you you have to put bodies to it you have to not only have like some vague implication through sound you have to have people physically doing something yeah and there has to be like a staging and there has to be something visual and that requires you to make a lot of choices that you kind of don't have to make if you're just doing an album like yeah. say Tommy
0: well and which is
1: not to say anything bad about Tommy but and it-
0: and I think that's something that's really interesting that you can see with something like Hades Town which was kind of initially created as an album and then massaged yeah. into a musical like I think I think a lot of the songwriting on the original Hades town like the lyrics of the original songs are a lot more kind of like open and vague and stuff like that right and then by the time you get yeah. to the musical you have characters kind of explicitly describing what's going on because that's just what the medium requires. Yeah. There's
2: a really there's a couple of songs where I prefer the 2016 version just because there was still a little bit more lyricism. The 2016 Doubt Comes In is by far my favorite version of that, because it just has a lot of these like really glorious lines about like, you know, the taste of vinegar and turpentine or something. Yeah. And like the the final version of Doubt Comes In is fairly literal, yeah. And and a little more boring for it. <laughs>
0: I find epic is another one like that where epic becomes a lot more literal because it but again it's it's serving a it's serving a function right where it yeah. becomes it becomes this kind of exposition dump right
2: Epic was always kind of my least favorite on all versions so like I I don't go to listen to epic any of the versions of it very yeah. often although <laughs> I will say the best part is I think it's epic part three on the Broadway album where you just he starts singing Hades and then you just hear Hades go oh it's about me. <laughs> it's <just laughs> like, such there's so I I love those little things that you get on the recording sometimes like uh, so Ghost Quartet has two different p- recordings they have a studio recording and then they have a live recording and I always recommend people listen to the live recording because there are moments where like character says something in a particularly funny way and like just hearing the audience. Re- react to it is really fun a thing that i did not understand until i actually like went and read the wiki because you wouldn't get this from just listening to the live album is that like at the final song of that show they start handing out all of their instruments, and they have a lot of them. They just start handing them out to <laughs> audience members, just kind oh, of that's like gesturing so cool. like, "Yeah, just like keep going, keep going." And the and the ending is like a fairly simple, like one da, da 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 kind of a tune. And so they're just handing people like maracas and God knows what. I think at some point, like the strings guy is handing somebody a cello, and and then they just leave. <laughs> and so you hear audience members start to giggle because they're being handed instruments. And I was wondering why people are giggling at the end of the final song and I'm like oh that's why
0: there there's an interesting sort of a kind of like narrative thing that you can do with it it's it's a weird thing in musical theater where somehow the breaking of that fourth wall makes the listener yeah. buy in or the viewer I guess like the audience member buy in more and almost suspend disbelief more yeah. like I I distinctly remember I've seen the Lion King twice And my God, in the circle of life, when you've got the puppets running down the aisle, like coming down the aisle as the song is opening up, it's like, like that just like physically puts you inside of the story in a way that's kind of like nothing I've ever experienced before. And like, like you feel like you're just like there on the Serengeti watching this happen. And it's so immersive. It's very, a, a very unique use of space.
2: I have two very funny stories with this because um, one of the regional theaters I spent a lot of time at was an in the round theater and theater in the round has just a lot more space for those kinds of fourth wall breaks. So, yeah, one time my friend who was involved in some of the behind the scenes with the show. He would tell me sometimes when I would see these shows at like these final dress rehearsal nights, he'd be like, you know, sit in this area. There's like a lot of action because, again, because within the round, (laughs) they do their best. But like if you sit in the wrong spot, you might get a lot of back acting for a lot of the show. Um, So like he would just tell me sit in this. So he told me to sit in a specific seat. Didn't tell me why. The Sister Act musical has a song where the three like henchmen who work for the bad guy trying to track down Whoopi Goldberg decide that how they're going to break into the nunnery is they are going to seduce the nuns and they have an entire song about how they're going to seduce the nuns and 90% of that song was sung while making direct eye contact with me (laughs) and then one of the the men stood on my chair and did a sexy dance.
0: That's amazing.
2: (laughs) And then the other one is this didn't happen to me but it was just really funny to see was during a production of Beauty and the Beast at this theater a mom her daughter was just getting up to go to the bathroom. Uh, and it was during the Beast's like solo number that he has where he's singing about like being a gentle man. Yeah. And in the middle of that, this mom and daughter kind of like sidle up to him. And he just like very gentlemanly like sort of gestured them past him in the middle of his song. It was very good. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. I think this all sort of speaks to one of the big advantages that theater has as a medium, which is that... In terms of suspension of disbelief, the buy-in is so high. Yeah. Yeah. Like, they're asking so much of you to, like, pretend that this, like, pile of cloth and some pieces of wood and these people in, like, obvious costumes are, like, kings and, like, revolutionaries and whatever – but once you're there,
2: yeah. Like once the simpler the theater setup, I think the easier it is to buy in. Like because you're already being just like you just yeah, you have to use your imagination. Yeah. And in the round, there's no backdrop. They can have bits of set come down and yeah. be rolled out, but there's no backdrop, so they're up against just black. And like it just it asks a lot yeah. more of your imagination. But I think because it's asking a lot more, it's a lot easier to buy in.
1: <laughs> yeah, and you you can and you can play around a lot in that sort of fourth wall space. Because, like, you know, if you see that, like, in a movie, again, we were talking about, like, realism, there's all this emphasis on, like, getting you to believe that this is a real thing. And in theater, that's just not an option. Yeah. Like, you really cannot, if I go see Cats, you will not convince me this is a bunch of cats. (laughs) It's just not going to happen. One of my
2: favorite things was for a while, um, I think it was... I think it was the globe um, had a bunch of just clips on their YouTube channel that I really enjoyed watching because of just the kind of fourth wall breaks that happen in Shakespeare plays. Yeah. And so just like things like finding this like Henry V production where the guy is doing the like once more into the breach speech. And by the time he's getting to like, you know, for this and God and qu- King of England, whatever. And the people are going like, yeah, like cheering. <laughs> like they are the people he's giving his battle speech to like just that level of theater yeah. is so easy to achieve. <laughs> I really
0: yeah. need to, like, like if if any listeners out here, like, I know there's a lot of people that think, oh, like, musical theater isn't for me or whatever. I really implore you to see a musical live because oh, yeah. seeing yeah. a musical live yeah, is yeah. a fundamentally different experience totally. than, than just, like, listening to one or even than seeing it, like, seeing a film of, uh, of one. Like, it really is... It's a pretty unique experience. It's
2: hard outside of major cities because the thing is like the level of like, if you're seeing a regional production in like, I don't, I don't know, like, you know, Michigan, like just like a a middle of nowhere theater with just like local amateur actors, likely it's going to be at best kind of okay. And that's, that's the problem. And it can be fun. It can be done. And there are, I've, I've, enjoyed a lot of regional theater productions but like i've also seen some bad ones (laughs) and 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 i've seen ones on theaters that are so small that like i could take 20 steps from one end of the stage to the other and they're trying to stage my fair lady on that yeah it's really hard to ask that because not everybody lives in a place where they can easily access like good theater
1: (laughs) very but but if you can like go see stuff on like broadway or the west end or off broadway off west end at whatever LA's version of theater stuff is. I don't know what that's called, but you have, know. like
2: the Pantages and a few other ones. The thing that we have yeah. and that most major cities have is they have touring productions.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Where the
2: productions from Broadway travel around to major
0: cities and perform. Those yeah. you should seek out.
1: <laughs> if, if you can, like if they're near you, go see one of those. I've
0: had tickets for the, the entire season the entire 2020 season of the touring musicals (laughs) since January, 2020. And they're Uh, finally coming in 2022. I'm very excited, (laughs) but I've been sitting on those waiting for a long time.
2: Yeah. That's, that's probably the most accessible form of musical theater that you can find is that your nearest major city will probably get wicked or dear Evan Hansen or, you know, the the big shows will generally tour the country. Yeah and right. yeah go check those out
1: or cats
0: yeah like like the season that i i'm seeing like it's got like hamilton which i'm excited to see live yeah. it's got come from away which i watched the filming of and that that is a fantastic musical i
2: need to watch come from away i liked this the main i've listened to like two or three of the songs but i haven't actually watched i know the recording is on i think apple tv right now
0: yeah yeah
2: but yeah no like la's getting Hades town in like the coming oh, years, nice. I know. And I'm very, very excited. I will risk death to see Hades Town. I'll wear to masks up. and maybe <laughs> die. And I won't care. I just, I want to see that show <laughs> so bad, but yeah, that that's, it's just that discussing the barrier of entry is really difficult because yeah. theater is yeah. expensive. And if you don't live in the right city, it's hard to get to.
0: <laughs> that's, a, that's a very good point. Yeah. But, but if you, if you do have theater, like if, that is an option for you if you can if you can afford it and you're in a city where it happens. I w- I will really recommend the going room to where see it, it
2: happens. You say sorry.
0: Yeah yeah
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly.
0: Yeah, I think something that I want I would love to talk about with with musicals is I don't think you can really I think it's hard to have a conversation about musicals in this day and age without like talking about Disney musicals because the the reality is like. Yeah. Like, I mean, especially the the golden age stuff, like Ashman and Mencken are like some of the greatest artistic minds of, you know, the modern era. So for those of you in the audience who don't know, Ashman and Mencken are the creative team behind Little Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast, and the good parts. Well, not the good parts, the best parts of Aladdin. But but like, I think I think it's really interesting because I think when we when we talk about, uh, and they also did Little Shop of Horrors. Uh, no, yes, yes. yes. Actually,
2: okay. um, I finish your. T- I I have hot takes about Little Shop of Horrors okay. that I I should share. I've never
0: <laughs> I've never seen it. Oh, I have. <laughs> but I think it's interesting because I think in our kind of discourse around musicals, we, a, a, a lot of people kind of think of like Broadway musicals as different than animated musicals, but they are fundamentally rooted in the exact same kind of thing. And like like the people who shaped animated musicals came from Broadway, and I think animation or at least is- a,
1: shaped modern yeah, animated I, musicals. Yes, yeah, yes. Yes. that's very
0: true. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah.
1: yeah. I mean, I would push back a little bit. Like, I, I agree with you that they are cut from the same cloth but i think that there is a lot to be said again coming back to musicals not like as a composition but as an experience i
2: mean as a medium there's a lot
1: to be said for the as a medium yeah the the being in that room and and again like having that like complete lack of like tools to aid your suspension of disbelief
2: like beauty and the beast the stage show cannot have like candelabras floating through colored space yeah, in the way the animated yeah. musical does there yeah. is definitely times where the, the yeah i would say the format of like song composition is the thing that like they took a lot yeah. from broadway the whole like talking about i want songs and this and that
1: yeah there's a, a lot of like compositional similarities and I, I get what you're saying i don't think you're wrong noah
0: like i don't i don't think they're the exact same but i think that they're no. in the same neighborhood yeah
2: which is funny cuz most of my most of my favorite modern disney movies are not the ones where they sing shockingly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I will say though so Little Shop of Horrors hot take yes. this this is entirely dependent on the staging so like I do think there are productions that don't lean into this as heavily. I don't actually know if Howard Ashman or Alan Menken are Jewish. But the character of Mr. Mushnik, the store owner, who is a greedy man with a yiddish sounding last name, who is usually played by a New Yorker with that accent, and in the production that I saw did fiddler-on-the-roof dance moves. Pretty anti-Semitic, not gonna lie. I don't think they intended yeah. it, but
0: it was a big yikes from me, dog. <laughs> I, I am pretty sure that Ashman was Jewish. Is he?
2: That's yeah, I believe
1: so. But yeah, yeah. And
0: I mean like and it's and
2: it's that thing of like coming from within, I doubt that the original stagings leaned yeah. that way. But like the the version that I got to see, where it's again, it's like if you're just Jewish and you grew up in New York, you're gonna write those kinds of characters because you live around that. But like yeah, staging's now. They don't have to lean into this, but the character of Mr. Mushnik, who is a greedy shitlord, his character just sucks <laughs> and manipulates the main character for his own financial gain. Boy oh boy is that a trope. And yeah, yeah. If they just yeah. like really lean into the Jewish coding of that character. It sucks real bad.
1: <laughs> I was going to say that it comes back to again what we were talking about in terms of like interpretations yeah. and their being like these being living Effectively living documents. They're not documents. I Whatever. Uh, but well, living works. And, if,
2: and, and, and like, so, like,
1: the fact that if, if Ashman, I, I believe you're correct that Ashman is Jewish. Yeah. And so it makes sense from there. But then that doesn't mean that, like, a non-Jewish production putting that on yeah. can necessarily get away with the same sort uh, of things.
0: I also think with things like that, like, there is, there is a kind of, like, uncomfortable history in musicals. And that, like, s- some of the roots of modern musicals are kind of, like traveling reviews and minstrel shows, right? Like, and a lot of musical performance is built into caricature and caricature has a very rough history with race. Yeah.
2: It's so baffling to me that the Jazz Singer, the first movie with sound, which by the way is a musical, is about a Jewish character, has one of the most realist depictions of inside of a synagogue I've ever seen. And also he does blackface. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's, it's, It's a really wild, yeah... Yeah. Yeah, And if we want
1: to go down that road, there's also like, especially in Disney films, but in a lot of musicals, like the queer coding of villains. Oh, yes. Yes. Like like the people who you're supposed to be rooting against seem... Like, they're probably gay or trans and just, like, they're never, like, explicitly stated. Ursula but.
0: was based on Divine, yeah, I mean, the drag sure. queen performer. Yep. <laughs> uh, I mean, the for, yeah. the interesting thing with that, with the Disney stuff, though, with, like, Gaston and Ursula and stuff like that is that yeah. Ashman was gay. And yeah. a lot of these musicals also – and, again, this is just the, the kind of all par- paradox of, you know, living – uh, in the you know homophobic racist sexist cultures that we yeah, no, live yeah. in because internalize stuff <laughs> and and yeah. and like it's very easy to th- there's like beauty and the beast and little mermaid both have it's very easy to do queer readings of those texts right like oh, yeah. both of those yeah. are incredibly queer texts which is it's it's such an interesting aspect of like like it, it musical theater in general like musical theater's relationship to queer community is really interesting because it is a place where a lot of queer artists have thrived in musical theater. I mean, it's it's interesting
2: because musical theater both thrives off of the art from not only queer artists, but Black artists and, Mm -hmm. like, various artists of color, Jewish artists, and also will still regularly demean those communities to this day. Like, Dear Evan Hansen won all of those Tonys and is a very homophobic show.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's partly like if you're, they're the art of like queer communities and communities of color, but a lot of it is still being sold to upper white class. Audiences. Yeah, No,
2: that's the thing is it's like marginalized communities who like if they're not directly involved in making this art, it's their art that has inspired a lot of what we know yeah. about this medium. And yeah, then it's sold to white upper-class rich people in New York City, mostly. Yeah. and
1: Because Broadway tickets are really expensive. Yeah. So
2: expensive. I've never gotten to see a show on Broadway. I'd like no. to
0: one day. <laughs> I've never been to New York, so I've never seen anything on Broadway, but I've seen... Yeah. I, I saw Phantom in the West End, and that was something yeah. else. Oh,
2: God. I, the version of Phantom I saw had so much pyrotechnics. Literal pyrotechnics. I love that. It was, like, literally... <laughs> There was a point where, like, fire shot up from the stage, and it was, like, so sudden that, A, it startled the shit out of me, and, B, I could feel the heat on my face. Like, I was <laughs> I was jokingly, like, tweeting afterwards, like, wow, that production was on fire. Sparks were flying, like, just endless that, because it was just, like, I don't understand why he had, like... There's a point where he's literally throwing little fire bombs at Raúl. There's just these little plosives yeah. happening on the stage. That <laughs> it's just like, why is?
1: Because it's Andrew Lloyd Webber. I
2: have y'all heard or seen the Lightning Thief musical?
1: I have
0: heard of no. it. I have heard no songs, but I'm aware of its existence.
2: <laughs> oh my god, that's a really fun one because, like, so it started as like off off Broadway, whatever. I think at this point it has been on Broadway at some at, for some degree of time. But um, it was a show that like was very very low budget, and it leaned into that in like a really fun way. So like when Percy Jackson uses like his water powers, it would be like two uh, leaf blowers with like toilet paper rolls, and he would just like <laughs> spray the audience with toilet paper. And like my favorite was the dude who played his centaur teacher, who just had a fake tail stuck in the pant, stuck in his pants, and then he <laughs> he just like walked like a dressage horse. <laughs> <laughs> and it was the funniest thing ever. He also had this incredible deep voice. So he would just be like, Percy, hello. And then he like walks the way he does. And it was so funny. The music of that show was genuinely great, by the way. But I think I made a reference to it in one video. I just always have to laugh because when I saw it, in a theater mostly full of children who definitely knew the books better than I did and were very, very excited about, like, I know what this scene is. And I I had never read Percy Jackson, so I was just kind of here and, like, oh, this is very, very fun. But, like, it opens with, like, a very loud thunderclap flash of lightning moment and, like, it's in the title. I jumped 10 feet in the air and scared my friend. <laughs> I just was not expecting it. It startled the shit out of me. And
0: <laughs> my friend got startled. Startled by me jumping when, ten feet in the air. When I saw Phantom in the West End, it was in one of these old theaters with a like organ piped through the building, oh. mm-hmm. and that first nice. organ hit yeah. is just. So-
1: yeah. <laughs> oh, and speaking of shows with just excessive staging, yeah, I don't think I can get through a musical episode without at least mentioning Starlight Express. Yes. <laughs>
2: I've I, only seen it through the episode "Waiting in the Wings" did on it. I've never actually I, seen. Star I
1: saw it live in the West End. I had never heard of it. I used to like go to like London sometimes with my mom to like go to shows in the West End of like Spring Break or whatever. That's
2: very cool. And,
1: yeah, like that was honestly. Like, it's I have this really weird relationship with musical theater in general because when I say I used to like musical theater a lot in high school, everyone's like, "Oh, you were a theater kid," and I was not. That was not my crowd. Which no disrespect to that crowd, but like <laughs> that wasn't. Those, those weren't the people I hung out with. This was almost exclusively a thing I did with my mom. And so, like, once we went there and we saw, like, a Zorro musical, they had wow. a musical based on Zorro. That's sick. I don't remember anything about the music of that, but it did exist. Uh, but anyway, Starlight Express, I went in. I knew it was Andrew Lloyd Webber. I knew nothing else. <laughs> and that is how I would recommend experiencing Starlight I, Express if you can.
0: I saw Starlight Express as a seven-year-old child, and for <laughs> half of my life, I thought this was a fever dream I had. I did not yeah. know. Because you know how memories when yeah. you're like a little yeah. kid are like vague? I had no idea if this was a real thing or not. And then like as I yeah. was an adult, I was like, oh, Starlight. Yeah, I I seemed to. Oh, yeah, no. Oh, that was a real thing that I saw.
1: That happened. <laughs> yeah. That happened. But it's just like it's such like. The thing that sticks with me as an adult, like obviously there's the the staging is phenomenal, but like it has such weird energy politics <laughs> yeah, like I which bet. is such a weird thing for a musical to have any of in the first place i
2: mean it's already like cars universe adjacent, I'm sure it's wild, yeah
1: the <laughs> the the entire like story is like rusty the steam engine, proving that steam engines are better than like electric trains well, okay. or like other cleaner forms of energy. Sh- what? And it's like really ex- they have this whole song like as one of the lines is like we could use the sunlight but it don't shine at night and it's like yeah solar power is so much more complicated than that. But like Andrew Lloyd Webber decided to write this like thing about his really weird energy politics I mean, and I don't <gasps> get it.
0: <laughs> Andrew Lloyd Webber is also like you you look at his stuff and like like evita is like yeah like how the hell do you decide yeah i'm going to do a, i'm going to do a stage musical and i'm going to do it about like an argentinian political leader like this is one of my favorite things about musicals is the, the premises are just crazy yeah. sometimes assassins what the hell is assassins <laughs> assassins is uh
2: wild
1: yeah on on evita i like made a video a while back about Cats and, like, the history of how Cats became a show. And for Good that, morning. I had to read a lot of Andrew Lloyd Webber's memoirs. Uh-huh. And, like, he talks a lot about Evita in there. And, like, he's he's going on about, like, how weird it is to, like, write these songs and try and – for, like, someone whose views he so passionately disagrees <laughs> with. And I was like, just just write a musical about someone else, yeah. dude. <laughs> it's not that oh hard. Oh, my God. I, no one asked you to write a musical about Ava Perot. It's <laughs> such
0: a strange, like, w- why? Why, Andrew? So, <laughs> yeah.
2: like, one of my favorite, actually, Disney stage musicals is Hunchback of Notre Dame, which is already ch- challenging great movie material. Too. Yeah, great movie. Yeah. I actually prefer the staging because it removes it removes a lot of the like stuff that they added to try and make this horrifying story appeal to children yeah. <laughs> so like
1: listen to a bird yeah
2: <laughs> so like the gargoyles are now like a Greek chorus you know so, and, and there's a lot of them and it leans so more no Jason like,
0: Alexander
2: thank god <laughs> the version that I got to see actually had a deaf actor playing Quasimodo and he would oh, cool. sign on stage it was the coolest thing and he would sign on stage and then he was able to speak so he did he spoke his spoken dialogue but like that one of the gargoyles was his singing voice and there was almost this like relationship between them on stage like just the way they would interact during the songs
0: that's so cool
2: So good. I I frequently reference in my videos, I'll just be like, if I'm talking about theater, I will just play a clip of John McGinty and be like, you should know who this man is. He's very good. And like both of the actors who played his singing voice across like different productions, they did of what was colloquially called deaf hunchback. So gorgeous. The challenging part of hunchback is that they sure use the Romani slur a lot.
1: Yeah, in lyrics.
2: (laughs) They do 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 that a lot.
1: Quite a lot.
2: Quite, quite a bit. But yeah, no, I I really, really love, uh, I got really into like the sort of Deaf West style productions for a while, just like, I didn't get to see it, but I watched like clips online of like, there was a version of Fiddler on the Roof, where the oldest daughter, the one who marries the tailor, her and the tailor were both deaf, and um, the fiddler was the tailor's singing voice, which is just so cool.
0: That's really
2: cool. <laughs> I have a lot of feelings about Fiddler on the Roof. I have very, very specific Fiddler on the Roof opinions about, like, individual, like... You know, movie Tevya probably does the best If I Were a Rich Man because you got, you got an oi from the belly. But I, I do really like the 2015 Broadway revival. They added a lot of, like, fun instrumentation and just, like, for the really long songs, there'll just be a break where they just, like, da 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 da, da oi! And, like, that's really fun.
0: <laughs> you got an oi from the belly is a fantastic a, quote.
2: I'm just, like, I... So there was, there was a minute where... My one of my sisters recorded herself singing If I Were a Rich Man, and it was just like while she was doing dishes, and she was just like, she was singing it pretty, and I'm like, no no this is not a song where you can go da, 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 da. i'm like no you gotta go Oi, you gotta give it you gotta get the oomph you gotta duh. and i like i had like a i ended up recording myself doing dishes singing it as i feel is appropriate they said the faces i made were very funny before i would do an oi because i would apparently screw up my face as i was preparing to do it <laughs> but i just like yeah no i i joke a lot about the commonalities between my family and fiddler on the roof because we are very jewish it's So, yeah, I have a lot of Fiddler on the Roof feelings. Me and my sister used to say that if our high school had ever done a production of Fiddler, either one of us could play from a Sarah because that's just what my bubby, my grandmother, sounded like. So just like, with my pearls, pearls, pearls. (laughs) That's just my bubby.
0: (laughs) That's amazing.
2: Yeah, I have a lot of very specific feelings about, like, specific musicals and, like, specific productions of those musicals.
1: (laughs) And that, I think, is, like, again, a thing that, like, musicals as a medium really invite. Yeah. Like, because, again, you have this fixed text and then you have these all these interpretations on top of it. You get a lot of incentive and a lot of reward for, like, digging into, like, what do I feel about, like, this part of this one versus this part of this one? Or, like...
2: Shows like Les Mis or... Oh my God, yes. Like shows like Phantom or Les Mis that have been staged so much, people will talk yeah. about like their favorite Javert's and yeah. Fontines and this and that. My favorite Javert is Norm Lewis. There was like a one of the anniversary recordings that they did, like a concert thing. And he just, the best Javert. The problem was that I got really attached to the way he sang it. And I discovered that recording not long before the 2012 film came out. Mm. So that was unfortunate <laughs> for me. <laughs> 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 to get really in touch to Javert's songs specifically and then watch that movie. Mm, musical
0: yeah. musical films are, are very interesting because, like, like I, I think it's one thing when they do, like, Come From Away or Hamilton did where it's just kind of, like, you know, a filming, yeah, filming of a performance. performance.
1: Yeah. That's
2: just but called like, a pro shot normally. So, okay. like, yeah, yeah. that's yeah. just the pro shot recording of, like, just documenting yeah. the stage show.
1: yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and it's still not the same as being in the room, but it's really—it does best thing have a lot that of that same structure. Get, yeah. So, yeah. like, I yeah. totally exactly yeah shots. Yeah, totally, totally. Not not saying anything bad about. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: <laughs> Whereas yeah. Whereas musical film adaptations are very kind of like hit or miss, and I mean, there's also some like musicals that are original musicals yeah, that are films. films, like Rocky Horror, which is the best. Yeah. Um, <laughs>
2: I don't love Rocky Horror. Mm, I like. Yeah. I like the time warp song
0: i mean the yeah the the thing with well rocky horror is actually very interesting because rocky horror is a film but the best way to experience rocky horror is is not watching it at home yeah yeah it's watching it like the real best way is watching it like with a rowdy shadow cast you know like there's there's something about that where it's like even then it is it is a movie but like I I don't know if either of you have ever been to a Rocky Horror Shadowcast performance.
2: I have not been to a Shadowcast of Rocky.
0: My sister yeah, it's a did. Fan produced
1: stage show. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. I've I'm, I'm, I've I've been to one before, and I'm going to one. Uh, we're recording this in October, so I'm going to one on Halloween evening, the first oh, Halloween back after COVID. It's gonna be rowdy, nice. and I'm so excited. That's fun.
2: Yeah. No, I. Um. The thing is, because like. I feel like there's sort of a separation between like when you look at like old Hollywood musicals, some of which were adapted from stage musicals. My Fair Lady was on stage first, but like there would definitely was a different approach to adapting stage musicals back in the day because like movies were just approached more theatrically back then so it was just like commonplace to just set the camera down and watch gene kelly tap dance for 15 minutes yeah <laughs> yeah and that was chill but now like because of the more like modern realist approach to film they keep trying to do that with musicals and like that's not how musicals work. I think the closest we've gotten no. to like good modern movie musicals are Chicago and Moulin Rouge, both of which. I really are enjoy Chicago
0: highly, and yeah. I
2: love Chicago. It's it's highly stylized. And I think the only time that over-editing has worked for a musical. Yeah. Although funny, funny, uh, this is this is more legend than like cited fact. But supposedly Part of the reason it was edited that way was because while everybody else was rehearsing the shit out of it, Richard Gere was like, no, I don't need to rehearse. I'll just show up and I'll be great. And then he wasn't. And they were editing around him. And that created the editing style of the entire film. That may or may not be true. But that is the legend around that movie.
0: (laughs) The other one that I really like, I've never seen it staged, but I really like the Sweeney Todd movie. I think it's fun.
2: Oh, yeah. it's So I've never gotten to see it staged, but I've watched a lot of recordings. I have a very specific beef with Sweeney Todd. So I really like the Ballad of Sweeney Todd number, and I'm very sad that it wasn't like properly in the Tim Burton film, although the Tim Burton film is fine, and I enjoy a lot of bits from it. But The Ballad of Sweeney Todd is an absolute banger, and the final reprise of it has this very, like, cool, creepy moment where everyone starts singing at once, the music starts rising, and then there's this one point where they all start yelling, there, 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 there! And there are stage versions where they just sort of cacophonously yell that. And it annoys the crap out of me. I'm like, excuse you, can you <laughs> yell there on the beat? <laughs> That's the way it should be. And I like, I had like one version from, I think, probably a production with Angela Lansbury that I had had on my computer for a long time. And then I started like trying to watch clips of like stage versions and they would just yell it randomly and haphazardly. Yeah. And I would be like, wrong. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, Sweeney Town is a really fun show. It's fun. It's fun to listen to. I do struggle with like the actual plot of it being as gross as it is. But like in a vacuum, Little Priest is like a really fun song. And because I was a theater kid, it it did come out when I was in high school. And so, yeah, all of my friends were singing Joanna and like I am a soprano so I was walking around going like greenfinch and like like oh yes oh yes <laughs> I love the
0: uh the shaving contest song with Sasha Baron Cohen oh that's my fantastic God.
2: good casting of Sasha Baron Cohen yeah. I will say yeah. yeah no I my favorite is actually I do if I'm going to pick like one version of a thing from the movie that I really like I really like what they did with Epiphany and I think Johnny Depp's like sort of more rock vocals worked really well for that song because like if you watch that on stage usually Sweeney Todd is played by like a like a baritone opera singer it's very like very heavy on the vibrato and stuff and he's more like aggressively screaming it and that really works for that song it's it's good I like that I like that bit (laughs) Yeah, no, I don't know. There there are a lot of, like, I think In the Heights got probably the closest in, like, the crop of recent movie musicals that we've had to, like, getting yeah. the stylized stuff right. In that case, I just was really attached to the stage show because I had seen it. And so I think a lot of the minor changes they made hurt the overall message of the original show. Mm. Yeah. But, like, style-wise, it was perfect. And the scene where they dance on the side of the building was, like, great.
0: Oh, I think I think we've been going probably nearly long enough. Do you have any any thoughts you want to anything you wanted to bring up? Either of you or any more weird musicals to recommend LK?
1: Oh, I can't recommend weird musicals. No, you
0: have any weird. You're music- not allowed. Oh. Actually, actually <laughs> um, anything put on by Star StarKid is a really yeah. <laughs> like
2: I'm like the one person that doesn't love Star Kid. Like I don't hate Star Kid, but I am very neutral about Starkid, probably because I did see, like, the original Potter for pals musical, which has aged exceptionally poorly, but the girl playing Malfoy was great. <laughs> I will give it that.
0: I think Starkid is more, like, I think Starkid is more remarkable for, like, the fact that it is just this, you know, like, amateur kind of, like, it's it's this thing that is very internet you know and it's like musical yeah. Yeah. the medium of musicals being staged by a bunch of just kind of like these amateur productions writing and producing their own musicals that are and and like that's i've i don't think i've ever watched a star kid musical in full mostly i just <laughs> watch that one clip from Firestarter. you know yeah. the I don't want to do the work today meme, um,
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> but in general, I think it's it's a really cool to see what happens and the kind of stuff that you can do in the modern age with just a bunch of theater kids writing and producing their own musicals yeah. and releasing them all like f- fully for free. I think it's just a really you know remarkable kind of occurrence more than more than the musicals being particularly phenomenal i think it's just really cool that they exist you know
2: yeah Um, yeah so okay you want some weird musicals well first off bloody bloody andrew jackson is a weird show parts of it have definitely aged badly if you watch the staging of it but it's it's one where i think the overall message of uh critiquing the american founding fathers is good there's just some really cringy and like in porte stuff regarding native americans. Again, they're uh. definitely they're definitely trying to actually put the blame on the founding fathers, but like there are like white people wearing feathers if you watch like clips. So that part's yeah. bad, but the music does slap, and it is like an emo rock musical about Andrew Jackson, <laughs> and like <laughs> the songs where he just comes out and be like, "What's up, motherfuckers? This is Andrew <laughs> Jackson," and and starts screaming is is great. The Off Broadway Heather's musical. Was really really good. I I love what they did huh. with the off Broadway Heather's. I don't know that it ever went to Broadway. I don't think it did. Obviously, Hedwig and the Angry Inch is sure. great. <laughs> yeah, if you haven't watched or listened to Hedwig and the Angry Inch, you should. I'm literally scrolling through my music library to see if there's any other ones that I'm forgetting because I'm just like, there's a lot of there's a lot of random shit that I've found over the years. I had a friend who was like really plugged into the musical scene. And she would just like tell me about like the cool, oh, I remembered one, title of show. Okay, you need to listen to title of show. It's it's in brackets, title of show. It's a musical about two guys writing musical about two guys writing a musical. It's, it's <laughs> extremely meta. There is a song called Die Vampire Die and the Vampire's Writer's Block. There is a number that's just them pulling out various playbills of actual musicals and working the titles of those <clears> musicals <throat> into the lyrics. And it's about a monkey. <laughs> like the song is about a monkey. One of my favorites is the festival medley where they are at a festival workshopping their musical and it's just meant to be like a montage of them workshopping the musical and they just keep having random asides and so like the two guys are being like oh i'm really worried because like my mom is seeing this performance and you know there's all this porn and this and that and masturbating and then the other one goes oh please like your mom has never masturbated and the music just stops and he goes oh my (laughs) god (laughs) um yeah
0: title of show is really good So you're saying they saw the producers and was like, that's not meta enough. We need to raise the <laughs> level of meta. Oh, we need it's, to go it's, deeper. They,
2: they just, the two girls who are in the show, who are like, they just invited their friends who sing to be in their musical. And they have a whole song about being the secondary characters. <laughs> <laughs> That's really fun. And it, 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 it still manages to be like kind of uplifting and inspirational in the end. I really love fans of the show with like, have this thing about Rice Krispie Treats because one of the characters, Susan, has this bit in like one of the final songs about like, we might not be the song for everybody. We might not be nine people's favorite thing instead of a hundred people's ninth favorite thing. And so she has this whole bit about like when she made Rice Krispie Treats at a baking contest and nobody liked them except for one person who liked the Rice Krispie Treats and let our show be the Rice Krispie Treat. (laughs) (laughs) It's, It's a really weird, good show. Next to Normal probably handles mental illness badly, but the music slaps. And uh, yeah, the Great Comet of 1812 is very fun, although there is an entire song about how they write letters, which, yeah, (laughs) that one does some things. (laughs) Octet is another musical by Dave Malloy, who did Ghost Quartet, which is about, like, internet addiction. It gets really really weird. It's all done a cappella. There's no instrumentation, but they get weird with like, you know, like they do throat singing and sh-. it gets pretty dark. Like if you read the genius.com annotations on that one, and it'll just be like there'll be a whole paragraph from Dave Malloy about being like, "Yeah, I went into some really fucked up parts of the internet that were very sad. And that inspired this song." Also the Rodgers and Hammerstein's musical with Cinderella. I know that's a movie, but it's the best version. The Rodgers and Hammerstein's Cinderella with Brandy, with Whitney Houston. That one, if you haven't yeah. seen it, you should. <laughs> All right.
1: It's cool. good. Yeah,
2: yeah I think and- I think I I could probably keep going, but I'll stop. Six is good. The Spice Girls, but they're the six wives of Henry V. And what, what? if they were the Spice Girls? <laughs>
0: that yeah, sounds it's- amazing.
2: Yeah, it's it's just huh. it's just like the six wives of Henry V basically competing to see who had it worse. And so, and that, and the answer to who had it worse, they'll be the leader of their girl group. <laughs> and it's <laughs> just an excuse for them to, much like cats with a frame narrative, get up and sing songs about themselves. Yeah, yeah. My favorites are, oh my God, she's the one that like they made all the movies about. and She wears green. Anne, I think her name is Anne. Yeah. yeah her song is called Don't Lose Your Head she was beheaded and (laughs) she just, she's very like on her phone being like, LOL, you know, I do what I want. And all you want to do is like starts really funny with like this wife who like she slept around and was horny. But then by the end, it's just genuinely sad. (laughs) Yeah. Six is fun. That's another fun one. Cool. There's a lot. There's so much.
0: Well, I've got homework to do. <laughs> All right. Should I make you a playlist? And, <laughs> sure. Sure. Make me a playlist and I'll listen. <laughs> Corey, do you have any
1: weird musicals to recommend? None as weird as those.
2: <laughs>
0: well... There's always yeah, spring away.
2: Yeah.
1: Look up the Zorro musical this, I don't remember anything about it but it does exist This
0: whole conversation <laughs> has made me realize That I've spent my life like Swimming in the kiddie pool of musicals And LK <laughs> is like cannonballing yeah. into the ocean
1: <laughs> well that's that's why you invite the sommelier of trash yeah, exactly. you know?
2: yes i am the sommelier of trash yeah
0: <laughs> speaking of that if people want to find you where can they find you
2: type in lady knight the brave all one word and like night with a k on youtube you will find my channel i'm bought you lubell on twitter b-a-t-y-a-l-e-w-b-e-l Those are the main places. Like, you can find me as Lady Night the Brave on Tumblr. Tumblr's a ghost town that I just like posting garbage in. (laughs) But, like, you can find me there if you want.
0: (laughs) As for Corey and I, you know where to find us, but your time's probably better spent watching LK's channel.
2: Aw. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you.
0: And thank you for coming on Ghost Notes and Friends. You are now officially a friend of Ghost Notes.
2: Oh my God, I wasn't a friend this whole time. Yeah. This whole time, I wasn't your friend until now.
0: <laughs> you were my friend, but you weren't a no, you friend. You were a
1: polyphonic ghost friend. Oh, were oh, a
0: ghost I was going to
2: say, was I not Noah's friend this whole time? Harsh.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you were both Noah's friend and polyphonic's friend because you did also helped edit my Hades Town script. So that made you an I, official I gave friend. I did you of like, polyphonic. one note? <laughs> hey, a note's a note. <laughs> hey. <laughs> All right. All right. Cool. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you all for listening. Bye. Bye. Bye.